Do you need a break? You read my mind. Come with me. Hey there, and welcome to The Break. I'm your host, Father Roderick. I'm a priest and I'm a geek, and I love to share with you my thoughts on Star Wars anime, fantasy, superheroes, and science fiction. In this show, I give you my weekly tips on what you can watch, read, play, or listen to the next time you have a break. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And let's start this episode of The Break with Loki. We are in the second season of this Marvel series series featuring, of course, one of the greatest villains that Marvel has ever known, Loki, the, the demigod, or, well, he sees himself as a god from Asgard, who has always subjugated people, has always been... It's, everything was about him, but in this series, he is changing so much. We're now approaching the finale of the second season of this series, so let's listen to the mid-season trailer. Loki, how much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much, but I'm a fast learner, and I'm a god. Well, let's start at the beginning. Here we go. All of existence is in grave danger. The TVA is gone. I think you mean ATV and no, we got in two of them last week. I need everyone to help us fix it. Oh, it's a party. Loki, if you're too late, you will be lost with time forever. And Mobius will lose all of his skin. Here we go. Yes. Listen to me carefully. Hit the green button. It can be a little sticky. So it's now or never. There's something you have to see. Loki, you are getting desperate. You're a silly little man. I lost it. One time, I held the whole of New York City hostage with an alien army. It happens. Here, Loki is reminiscing about his time as a supervillain where he held everybody hostage and it was all about him. Well, he has changed. And this is one of the most charming aspects of this new television series. Loki is turning from a villain into a hero who is there to save the universe. And not just our universe, our timeline, but all these different branched out timelines that are currently running wild. So I can imagine that if you've never seen this series, just listening to this trailer must have been utterly confusing. What is going on? Well, I have to admit that even though I have seen the first season and I've seen all these movies with, with Loki in it, I was still very confused for at least the first few episodes of this second season. But what I really appreciate is that despite this very complicated multiple timeline, you know, super, super complex science fiction construct, you still are able to focus on the characters. It's, it's ultimately not about these different timelines. This is about the evolution of Loki and how much he discovers who, is, who he is called to be. So this is like his second calling. His first calling was to be a villain. Now his next calling is to be a hero and to save the universe. So in a nutshell, the problem is that 
the 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 main timeline that that had to be protected at all costs has exploded and there was this organization called the TVA who in the past was was successfully kind of preventing all these n- different parallel timelines to branch off uh, but they have failed and now there there is a multitude of timelines with of course the same characters in all these timelines but behaving differently because they have different experiences there are slight alterations of themselves this of course must be a lot of fun for the actors to play and then they all have to come together and work together to somehow preserve all this from 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 ruining the galaxy there's also like an ultra villain his role is a little bit unclear he is more of a at least we see one incarnation of him in a in a variant timeline in the second season and he seems to be not as as devious not as villainous as we saw his character in the first season but you never know it's we have to see how this all will end but what i do know is that no matter what happens Loki will never be the same again. He is now a hero and he has discovered, and this of course is also a beautiful message, he has discovered that what is truly saving the universe is not his power, it's not his ability to to switch from one timeline to another, but it is friendship. And without his friends, he is unable to save anyone. Now that is a message that is very relevant and important in our turbulent times. History of the galaxy parts one, two, and three. One being the best, of course. I still have those stories in my archive memory. Would you like to hear one? Your choice. Very well. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Now, as you know, all the Star Wars series are currently on hold. There is nothing right now on the television, on Disney+, Plus, or at the movie theater that is Star Wars related. That will soon change because there is this children's series that had its first season, and I think it was quite successful, at least for the demographic that it was aiming at. Um, and that will get a second season. It's it's a sort of story about these young Jedi Padawan that are trained by Yoda, and this is all, of course, before the big Jedi purge in Order 66. But, of course, that's not really something that most Star Wars fans will be into. This is kind of something for the next generation of Star Wars fans. And so, with Ahsoka being complete and all the other projects being pushed back because of the writer's strike and the actor's strike, I think the next time that we will see something on either the big screen or on the small screen of our television will be at you know towards the end of next year. Uh, we still don't know exactly what the effects of the writers and the actor strike will be on Disney's plans. I guess we'll soon know because I think there's going to be like an investor call or something like that. And usually that's around that time they will give us more information. But in the meantime, of course, we have still a lot of stuff to discuss. I'm still working on my Ahsoka analysis. I have written it, but I still need to record it and then to edit it. Takes more time than I initially thought it would, but hopefully it will be a a unique contribution to all the other analysis that are out there already about this this great series. Um, And then, of course, we have some upcoming projects that we tend to forget about. They, They drop off our radar, and one of them is maybe the most interesting and most innovative new show that we can look forward to, because for the first time, 
since 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 the existence of Star Wars, we're going to an era uh, in the Star Wars timeline that we've never seen, and this is this relatively new period in the history of Star Wars that is dedicated to the High Republic. The High Republic is a time, basically the golden age of the Jedi, where the universe was relatively at peace, even though, of course, you need some villains and you need some catastrophes to get things moving story-wise. But on the whole, this is a really, really good time for the Jedi. And they've developed a whole series of comic books and novels based on this era, which was completely a blank slate, I think, for the creators. I've never really gotten into it. I hear from Star Wars fans that it is really good, but since there is no television show, there is not no visual media, I have a hard time kind of picturing that era. So I tried to read one of those, or actually I read two books of the High Republic era, and I just couldn't get into it because there wasn't a, a group of leading heroes that is recurring like every book had different characters and so it, it it didn't help me to i didn't have guides to to propel me along in this story hopefully that's something that they will work on in the future and maybe this new upcoming television series will help in that respect as well because this will take place in the final phase you could say of that high republic era and it will at least visualize that world i don't think that we will get to see any characters that were introduced in the comics or in in the novels but we will at least see what the universe or what the galaxy looked like around that time the series is called the acolyte and it's created by Leslie Hetland. Uh, she's a, a huge Star Wars fan. I saw her at the Star Wars celebration in London where she talked about her project and where we were also introduced to some of the main actors that will play a significant role in this series because all the filming has already been done. This, this thing has been in post-production for almost a year now, maybe even longer. And because it is delayed and is pushed back, I think this thing will be longer in post-production than almost anything else that Star Wars has done so far. And one of the actors was like the lead character in the series Squid Games, if you've seen that, on Netflix. So it's a South Korean actor. Um, and he, he spoke about how difficult it was for him to play. I think he plays it like a Jedi teacher or something like that. But to 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 do a role in English, because he wasn't very good at English and so he, he needed a language coach to help him with that and and it uh, pr proved to be much more tra challenging to him and maybe also to the rest of the crew to make that work but of course there is also post-production and he can always redub some lines and I don't think it's going to be a, a, a real problem but it must have been quite a challenge for him who is a very good actor in South Korea and very much at ease when he's speaking his native language. But imagine if I would play a role in a, I don't know, a Swedish television series, and I don't know a word of Swedish, <laughs> you know, and I had to kind of quickly learn the, the basic elements of that language, and then you have the pronunciation problems, and you, you just don't feel at ease. You cannot improvise because you're so handicapped by the fact that you don't speak the language. So hats off to him for, for, for trying, and I'm sure that he got nicely... Uh, rewarded for those efforts. So what, what is the series about? It's uh, As I said, it's set at the end of the High Republic era, before the events of the main Star Wars films that we are familiar with. And the plot revolves around a former Padawan, so a, a, 
basically a, a student, a Jedi student, who reunites with her Jedi master to investigate a series of crimes. So this is kind of like a crime show. I don't think we've ever seen something like that in the Star Wars galaxy, and I like it that they're trying to branch out to different genres of storytelling. However, the forces that the this, this former Padawan and her teacher confront are way more sinister than they anticipated. So it's not just a regular murder. There's something else sinister going on, a bigger, a bigger evil plan. The series is set in a world of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers. And all this takes place about 100 years before episode one, The Phantom Menace. So it's described as a mystery thriller, um, and it it I think is it's I think it's eight eight episodes long, so it's a little bit longer than than more of the recent Star Wars series. That will give it some room to breathe, and I'm very glad with that because this is such an unfamiliar era. I think they need to focus on compelling characters and good character arcs, and of course you need space, you need room for that. You cannot. You, they could do Ahsoka in six episodes because we are already familiar with the setting. With at least if you've seen the animated series, you already knew the main villain and some of the other side characters in that show. So you can leave out a lot of that setup of the characters, but you cannot do that with if you go back in time like more than a century. So I'm I'm glad that they're doing this. Another reason to be excited about this is the writers. Um, they've been announced, and all of these writers have incredible street credit, you could say. A, a lot of them have worked in other very highly praised television series. So in, in addition to Leslie Hetland, who is kind of the showrunner of this series and also <clears throat> wrote and directed, I think, the first episode, uh, she co-created the Netflix series Russian Doll, which is really, really good. Then you have Jason M- McCaller, um who has also been writing for a number of really good television series that I have not watched. Um, and Charmaine de Gratte, who has wrote for, I don't know any of these people, but apparently she worked as a co-executive producer and writer on the acclaimed HBO series Game of Thrones House of the Dragon. Um You've got Jasmine Flournoy, <laughs> who has worked as just as a writer's assistant on several shows, so not that well-known yet. So this is going to be her big break, probably. Eileen Shim also worked on House of the Dragon. And then you've got some other writers. Let's see. Oh, there's one other one. No, actually two. Cor Adana worked on Mr. Robot, which is a series that I have seen and which was really good. Very different from Star Wars. And Cameron Squires, who worked on WandaVision, which is my all-time favorite uh, Marvel series. So you've got a number, a couple of new writers or less known writers, less experienced maybe, and then you've got a a number of really good established writers that will bring a lot of uh, experience and and know-how to the Star Wars galaxy. And the reason that this is exciting is that a lot of the existing series were all written by one person and directed by sometimes various directors, or in case of Obi-Wan, it was the same director and the same writer for everything. Um, but as I've mentioned before, Lucasfilm is trying to make some changes after a writer strike and going to more like television type production where you have a showrunner who is making sure that every episode fits the television genre and that even though you have different writers and different directors, it will all still kind of stay together. 
this is very common in the world of television, but this is not how Lucasfilm and Disney have been operating for the last couple of years. They basically treated Star Wars as if it was a, like the television series, as if it was a big, big movie, and then just chopped into pieces. But that hasn't always worked out very well. So now they're trying out this different approach with these, all these different writers, different directors, and a showrunner. I hope, I really, really hope that it's going to pay off. The most beloved fantasy story of all time. It is the tale of a small hobbit and the great wizard who appeared to him one day. All right, dude, check it out. Go like that way and then up this one mountain and then kill all the hippies you come across. No, no, I'm searching for a dragon's treasure. I'm the wizard, you're the dwarf, and you will respect my authority. I am no dwarf. One of my favorite... Uh, areas, I should say, in Middle-earth, is that of Rohan. Um, as you know, I've, I've been playing the game Lord of the Rings online for may, more than a decade now, and it's still going, it's still there. It's not being developed that much. You've got some extensions of the story, and, of, and every time they add new areas to Middle-earth, but I don't think they make enough money for it to do a complete revamp. It's still an amazing game where you can basically visit any place that you that was ever mentioned in the Lord of the Rings trilogy as a gaming character and ride around and do quests. Now, but the Rohan area is fantastic and the quests are also amazing because, of course, it's like riding horses and everything. And this was also one of the most beautiful areas that they showed in the movies and they filmed this on location in in New Zealand in a very remote area where you know tourists no, normally don't come and they created this beautiful set like on this big remember this hill in the middle of a valley surrounded by these gigantic mountains it was fantastic and also the whole story thread of the the riders of Rohan was was fantastic as well. Here's a, a, an excerpt of the the ride of the Rohirrim from Return of the King. see this the camera pulls back and you see this amazing army of of horse riders facing this awful army of orcs and what is so cool about this particular battle is that it be, it became the inspiration for a new lord of the rings themed peter jackson helmed movie uh, this was announced a while back, so you may have forgotten about this, but Peter Jackson is making another Lord of the Rings movie. This, of course, is mainly inspired by the fact that they have the rights to do so. They bought the rights to do movies, but it has to fit within the, the, the elements, you could say, of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So they can't you know, extend beyond what is mentioned in those books. And if you followed a little bit the production journey of the the Rings of Power, the Amazon show, television show, they had to renegotiate with the Tolkien estate to get the rights to do something beyond the the timeline. And they could use the appendices, but for anything else that they wanted to 
introduced for the second era, they had to negotiate with the Tolkien estate. Uh, they are extremely protective of the, of the copyright of, of Tolkien, of course. So for this particular project, Peter Jackson was asked to come up with an idea to kind of make more use of the of the the contract that that was already in place to come up with a story that would be that would work as a standalone story within the context of the Lord of the Rings and that project became the War of Rohirrim the War of Rohirrim is not going to be a, a live action uh, movie this is going to be an animated movie and i think it's even um uh, going to be like a more Japanese anime, like an anime style movie. What do we know about it? Well, it will tell the story of Helm Hammerhand, who is the king of Rohan, however, not uh, during the the events of the Lord of the Rings, but this takes place 183 years before those events in the two towers. Um and this king, Helm Hammerhand, must defend his people and his, his, his region or, or country, I even. I don't know how if, if there are separate countries in, um, in Middle-earth. He must defend that against an army of Dunlendings. Dun, I'm not very familiar with Dunlendings, but, <laughs> oh well. The, the Rohirrim themselves... In case you were wondering, what was the deal again with, with Rohan? The Rohirrim are a race of horsemen, uh, and they live in the land of, of Rohan, which is located to the east of the Misty Mountains and west of Mordor. Um, and they are known, their culture is known for its horsemanship and also their loyalty to the kingdom of Gondor. And, of course, it, they play a role in the Battle of Helm's Deep and the Battle of the Pelennor Fields. So, that's about all we know the other one other thing is that we know that Brian Cox I think it's like didn't he play the main the main role in in succession uh, he will voice the character of Helm Hammerhand and well I think he'll be able to pull that off he's a he's a very a classic actor who can bring a lot of gravitas to that role but that's all we know the movie will come out next year December 13 is the announced date of the release of this movie and i think it will be a th theatrical release this is the first animated movie i think that that peter jackson has directed so it remains to be seen if the magic will be back but i know one thing for sure and that is i will watch this in the movie theater absolutely because gosh it's lord of the rings and hopefully they'll bring back the music and, well, of course, Weta Studios is good for, like, physical props. But I'm sure that, that a lot of the designers that have created this on-screen version of The Lord of the Rings will also be uh, used to develop the kind of the animated sets or the world in which this story will take place. And it's, it's nice to go back in time and to discover a little bit more of this Rohan culture. And I think it will also inspire like repeat viewings of the the two towers and the return of the king because if we get to know that culture better um the the whole all these scenes with the rohan the writers of rohan will i i think resonate with with what it, with the story that is going to be told in in this particular movie japanimation 
time to talk a little bit about about anime and i'm currently watching a, a, a non-typical anime series non-typical because it's not about giant robots it's not about magic it's uh, but this is about history this is about an era in our own history um when the Vikings were trying to invade the England because, of course, they came from northern countries where it was cold, where it was hard to, to grow food, etc. And then they discovered, since they you know, were great boatsmen, they discovered that England had plenty of you know, very um, lush hills and it was easy to grow food and there was a cattle and 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 also of course a, a culture that was well developed and the churches there in place and they had riches and so they started to uh, pillage villages and and ultimately also settled in England so a lot of the if you look at the the archaeological and historical research has shown that a, a lot of the people that currently live in England have at least partially Viking blood, like Viking genes, because, well, when they settled, they also kind of married uh, lo the local population. And so the, the Viking culture is not completely gone from, from current day England. And this story of Vinland Saga takes place it, 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 at the time of those invasions. Let's take a listen to the English trailer because of course this is originally spoken in in japanese but it was dubbed uh, for netflix i think so let's take a listen long ago i got on in life by slaughtering but one day one day i suddenly wanted no part of it any longer didn't want to kill or get killed. <sighs> A warship has come. A great war is trudging its way forward. And the time for us warriors has come. You want a sword, do you, Thorfinn? So then tell me this. Who do you intend to kill with a sword? Enemies. And who is our enemy? Can you tell me? On the battlefield, the weak perish first. Weak ones like you. I believe that a true warrior does not need a sword. A warrior doesn't need a sword? That can't be right! You have no enemies. No one does. There are no enemies. This is a surprising, surprising series. It is very graphic, very violent. There is a lot of fighting and killing going on. But at the same time, the real message of the story is what the father of the protagonist has told his son when he was still alive. And that is that ultimately you learn from war that war is not the solution. And that, well, as the trailer mentions, you truly don't have enemies. And so there is no real reason to fight. There are other ways. Now, let me paint a bigger picture here. What is this show about? 
It's based on a manga by Makoto Yukimura. It's set in, as I said, in the historical context during the years when the Vikings were invading England, but also because of them settling in England, a lot of them converted to Christianity. And this is what also influences the story of Vinland Saga, because the values that this show promotes even though, as I said, it, it can be very violent, this is not a show, even though it's an animated series, it's not for children, uh, but, the, but the, the, what you learn by following this young boy when he grows up in, in a world that is filled with violence is ultimately the discovery that, that war is, is not the solution. And I think that is linked to these Christian elements in the story. Uh, so the Vikings came into contact with Christianity because of their through their raids of the British British Isles, and at home where they came from, of course, the Norse heathendom was the dominant religion. But that started to also influence the the people at home. So a lot of these Vikings, when they returned, brought Christianity with them. And I've just watched the fifth episode of the first season, in which this boy. So the boy, I think I've explained this before. His father is killed by the villain of the story, and the villain is extremely brutal and very violent. So the boy uh, sees that his father is murdered, and his father had basically converted, maybe not to Christianity, but definitely to to peace. Um, but in in a last attempt to protect his family, to to protect his his village. He is killed, um, also due to the fact that he's trying to take a very honorable, like nonviolent stance. And the boy it doesn't know how to handle that. So a lot of the story is about him following him in his his desire to avenge his father. But he also discovers that uh, he has inherited some of the values of his father. So at one point, uh, I think in the fourth episode, he has the, the opportunity to kill the murderer of his father in his, while, while the guy is sleeping, and he refuses to do so. He can't do it because he knows that that's not the honorable thing. Um, so he challenges the, the man to a duel and, of course, is, is horribly mistreated and, and loses, which makes him even more determined to learn how to fight so he can, at, you know, at one point in his life, in a duel, finally confront the murderer of his father and, um, and establish justice. It's, it's all about that. So, but at, in this fifth episode, he is attacked by an, a number of English soldiers and he's, he's heavily wounded and he passes out. And then he is found by an old Christian woman and her daughter. And they bring him in, and they cure his wounds, and they 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 are unable. Well, they're barely able to communicate, of course, because the boy doesn't speak the local language or just a few words. Um, but what I really what surprised me and really appreciated about uh, this episode is that they give these characters the time to explain why they take the boy in, even though they know that he is the enemy. You know, he's. But then this old woman says, uh, "I could never." let a child die like that. Children shouldn't be pirates. They shouldn't be in wars. And I don't think that Jesus would allow me to not take care of this kid. So you have a very genuine Christian motivation that, that, sh that is shown in her motivation to take care of this boy. And this is the first time that, that Thorfinn, the boy, discovers that 
life is about maybe some sometimes other values than just uh, exacting justice through violence. And I think that the, what the writers do here is to plant a seed of this future conversion of the boy and this 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 character journey where he will learn that even though the world constantly uh, tries to lure him into using violence, that ultimately his destiny is to become a man of peace. Again, I think this is a, such an important message in our times where we are all tempted by violence and to react with violence. If we are personally attacked and someone you know, shouts at us, whether in real life or on the internet, our initial reaction is to be like the boy, like, okay, I have to defend myself. I'm going to fight back. This is what we see happening on a global scale right now with the war in Ukraine and the war in the Holy Land and and all that incredibly senseless violence. And it's always justified, you know, we, we have to defend ourselves. And But in the meantime, it's it's causing so much suffering so many innocent people pay the price for political wars, for the lust of, you know, for, for, for power and, and, and wealth and, and territory of the leaders that, that lead us into war. We need messengers of peace. We need people that are willing to walk a different road. And with that, it is time to wrap up this episode of The Break. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to listen to uh, the premium episode of the of the show, I invite you to become a patron. It's only two fifty per month, and there are tiers. If you are able to support a little bit more, then you get more premium shows. And you know that's of course not the ultimate reason, hopefully, to join the Patreon community. It's also because you help me do this work. I'm not paid by the Pope, as you know. <laughs> I have to somehow pay the bills myself and so uh, that is why I rely on the patrons and I can really use your help so take a look at patreon.com slash father Roderick and uh, in any way whether you are able to join the patron community or not I thank you so much for your interest for the privilege of your time and for sharing this weekly uh, time together to talk about the things that we love have a wonderful rest of your day We'll talk soon. Take care and God bless.